Drew, Laura, it's so good to see you. It's been so long. Jesus, what is he doing? You're supposed to be dying right now. What? Get back oh. up on the cross and stay there until we tell oh. you to come down. Play dead. Oh, but I haven't seen you in so long, you know? I mean, I just want to sit and talk. Jesus, I'm so sorry you had to die for us. That must have been so terrible. Yes, uh, I died, but look, I want you to concentrate on my life. I'm alive now, you know. Technically, you're not alive until the last five minutes of service. Now, put this on. What, what are you doing? I, I've already been through all this, guys. Look, let's focus on our life together. Okay, Jesus, we're remembering you. We're sorry you had to suffer. Yes, I suffered, but I want you to understand what the suffering was for. It's so that you could live like me. Did you really go to hell for us? Oh, I can't imagine what that was like. Was it hot? Did you see Satan? Okay, is this a joke? You know, Jesus, you're not taking no, your just, death very I, seriously. Now, please, be respectful of what you did 2,000 years ago. Uh, okay, um, my death is where life began. I did that so that we could have this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Whoa, guys, stop this. I'm alive. Jesus, we know you're alive. Now hold still. If you know I'm alive, why do you keep treating me like I'm not? And that's the question. If you know I'm alive, why do you keep treating me as if I'm not? And it probably depends on whether you look at God as a coach or a father. I played football for Coach Price. He uh, pretty well gave total equality to the entire team because, according to him, all of us were knuckleheads. All of us got an opportunity to be called that, but you, did, you see, he did have this, this system that didn't seem so equal. We had the A team, the B team, and the C team, and, and some of you that have played sports, perhaps it was called first string, second string, third string. The, the A team were those people who had arrived. Those are the people who were good enough. These were the people who were the starters. These were the, these were the ones that everybody wanted to, to be like. These are the people who played all the time, and they're the ones, and I don't remember exactly how the cheer went, but the cheerleaders had this cheer that ended up with, if, if Richardson can't, may, can't do it, then Johnson can. If Johnson can't do it, and they go down through a whole line, and if you're the starter, your name gets there, and everybody cheers for you, and, and you are so cool. If you're on the B team, that's the bench team. You're not quite good enough. And if, if, if somebody gets hurt on the A team or they get tired, maybe you'll get into the game. And just if you're really lucky, you'll get into the game about the time they start that cheer and you'll hear your name. And you think, oh, God, I made it. C team was the corpse team. These were the flesh on tackling dummies. These were the people that were expendable. These were, these were the guys, if you happen to be on the C team, the, the coach would take you the beginning of the week and he would take the C team and he would make an offense out of that, that, that C team and then that C team would run the plays that the, def, the defense were going to face at the next game. And so then he would take the C team, these expendable people, put them in some kind of formation, and then take the A team defense. And the defense, if you know defensive players, you know that basically they grunt and growl and eat red meat. And they like to hit people, whether it's on the field or in the cafeteria, they hit people. And then he would turn them loose on the C team and just annihilate them. C team never got their 
names in the cheer because the cheerleaders didn't even know they existed. Some of you in this place today look at life that way. You look at, you look at her and say, hey, she, she's part of the A-team. She's, she's just got it made. She's just got the skills. She's, just, she's there. She's a success. She's good enough, and everybody cheers her name. You may think, I'm on the B-team, and, and I'm just not quite good enough, and will I ever really reach success? And maybe once in a while I'll hear my name in the cheer, but I'm just, I'm just average status quo. Some of you think you're part of the C-team. You're just a tackling dummy. You're expendable. You're not even sure that anybody knows you exist. And that's what you like about the cross. You like to come to the cross because you know that Jesus knows your name. And you come to that cross and you know that you're going to find some favor there. And and you feel really good about yourself when you come to the cross. So you come to the cross just to feel good. But you just try to survive on the team you think you're on. When Pam and I lived in Salem, Oregon, our next-door neighbors were Roger and Susie. They had six kids. They lived in a three-bedroom, very small ranch house with six kids. It was a great family. But never once, never once did I hear Roger ever yell out, Time for dinner! A-team first. B-team, if there's something left, and C-team, good luck in finding anything. Not once did I hear him say, Heading to Disneyland, A-team only because you're good enough. Never once did he say, A team, B team, we're going to your recitals and to your games because you're good enough or almost good enough. And never once did I ever hear or understand that he tried to hide the C team when company came. Who's that? Oh, that's Julie. Well, how come I've never seen Julie? Oh, we don't let people see her. So understand when you come to the cross... And it's a wonderful thing. We, we, we looked at it in worship today. When you come to the cross, you are invited to be family. See, family is great. And the problem with family is this. Family is messy. Family can be disappointing. Family can be exhilarating. Family can have its peculiarities. And, 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 but that's family. They'll make you laugh. They'll make you cry. They'll make you scream. They'll make you want to hug them. But that's just family. And when there's family, there's not A team, B team, or C team. So when you came to Jesus, you became family. And when Jesus didn't just stay on that cross, when he rose from the grave, there was a power that lifted him from the grave, and that power is his power, and that's what brings life into the family. And he knows we're mess-ups. He knows that. But he's not going to say A-team, B-team, C-team. Experiencing God is not achieved by arriving to the A-team, but it's just by journeying. We are a journey community. You say that, journey community. Journey community. We are a journey community. We're a journey church. So let me just be wide open to you this morning. Because we are a journey church, I want you to understand something about what happens here on Sunday morning. Because you see, if your only connection with this journey church is what happens here on Sunday morning, then you probably have a wrong perception. My personality... And in this church, we've gone through personality tests, and and Pastor John does a great job of showing us what our giftings and skills are. And and I have a high-C personality. In fact, after after we had the worship time and I gave out all those instructions, I came down and Pastor Dan said to me, that's very nice of your high-C personality to do that this morning because I've got to have everything in order. 
It's just it's got to be there. I'd, I'd have freaked out if nobody knew what was going on after we, we stepped off. And, and, and my personality is I like structure and I like it to be excellent and I like it in order because if it's that way, then I think I'm going to get success or I think it's going to work out. And, and that way, if I risk, it's only because I pretty well know what the outcome is going to be. That's just the way I am. And so my personality is I want everything to be perfect. To show you to the extreme that I've had to battle through in, in years to, to fight that, is it bugs me still. If I'm sitting down here worshiping and this thing is turned like this, you know why? It's not parallel to that one. It's got to be that way. Because you know that Jesus cannot come here in his presence if he shows up and goes, oh, crooked, I'm out of here. i got to go. Things are not perfect. I can't show up. So we work for that because we do believe in excellence. And so you get Jenny up here who just does a perfect job of leading worship. And you've got a band that just does a perfect job. And you've got this drummer that's just, just perfect. And, and you've got everything is perfect. And Dan's got a perfect thing here. And, and, and so it's all perfect. And the media puts up a perfect deal. And it's just perfect. And you sit there and think, huh, I bet you've got to be perfect to be here. Oh, God, no. No. We are a journey church. In fact, you wouldn't feel that way if I was perfect because you wouldn't have to feel that way. And I'm still trying to make it so that you understand that you don't have to be perfect. This week I started running through my mind the people that I've seen that are in journey, that have been part of churches I've been in. I think of, of, of Tom and Pam who came to know Jesus, a young couple about age 22. And they were just so elated they found Jesus. So they wanted to go celebrate. They came to know Jesus, found this relationship with him, this journey with him. And, and then in the first week, they wanted to go celebrate what Jesus had done. So they just went to celebrate the way they knew how to celebrate. They went out to the Oregon coast and got drunk on Saturday night. They drove back to church Sunday morning with hangovers. And they walked up and they said, well, here's what we did. Maybe it's a better way for us to worship. Yeah, well, we've got ideas for you. We can work on that for you. But they're journey people. It was so great to watch them come to understand Jesus. I want to tell you about Carl. Carl comes to know Jesus, and, and he just, he's just Carl. So he goes to tell one of his coworkers about this encounter with Jesus. And his whole conversation is laced with F-bombs and S-H-I words about Jesus. It's just, it's all in there. And I don't think Jesus said, oh, la, 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 he understands. He's in journey. True story, Jerry, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Jerry's an entrepreneur. To tell you a little about Jerry, the first time we moved into our neighborhood, somebody Jerry came over to our, our, our door, knocked on the door, and he said, I'm Jerry, and has anybody from the government been looking for me? <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> so that's Jerry. Jerry came to know Jesus. And one night, Jerry wanted to move a, a two-story house from one place to another, like a mile away in Boise, and, and set it up for a bed and breakfast. So one night, without permits or notifying anyone, he moved this house through the city, dodging the cops with this big house, cutting off limbs of trees, moving it through. Parked it where it needed to go, all in one night, called me and said, I want to give God thanks I did not get caught. What a great worship expression. (laughs) 
Now, please understand that when you walk with Jesus, you begin to mature so you put away childish things. And that as you mature, there is a level of maturity that will open up doors for leadership opportunities that God has designed for you. So there is that growth process. We don't stay the way we are. In fact, that's, that's the issue. The issue is that he comes and gets us the way we are, but he doesn't leave us that way. But he understands that we are messy, that we have these imperfections. And so we go to the cross And he gives us family, but we go to the tomb and he takes this power and he says, here, I want you to have this power. And you say, but I can't use that power because I'm not a team and only a team gets power. Look, if you're already the a team, you don't need his power. That power is to help you journey. So Paul, the apostle, in writing to the church in Corinth, begins to describe this whole resurrection and this whole coming to the cross thing. So we understand it. And so he says to the church in Corinth in first Corinthians, the first chapter. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He said to those who don't really put their faith in Jesus, there is this deterioration of life. It's happening. To those who put their faith in Jesus and they believe that his death on the cross forgave them for their sins and his resurrection power gives them new life. He said, We are being saved. It is a continuous tense verb. We are on a journey. Paul, in in this book to the Romans, he says this. He says that, don't you understand that when you were immersed with Jesus by putting your faith in him, when he died, it's like baptism, you were immersed into his death, that when he died, there's a spiritual connection. It's not just symbolic. It's a spiritual thing that your sins were forgiven. You became part of the family. But then he rose again. And when he did, he rose into a new life. He said, therefore, reckon yourselves dead to sin. You don't have to sin anymore. And reckon yourselves alive to Christ. You're not C team, B team, A team. You are family. And family has its privileges. So understand that you have this power. See, I think our problem is that, that we just we take how we've been and just thank Jesus that we're at the cross and, and now we'll just deal with life until Jesus shows up to take us home. And we're missing the whole point. Two years ago in February, reporting out of Vienna, Austria, was this report. And I'll read it to you as it was on the news reports. Three girls who were imprisoned by their mother in a house of indescribable filth for seven years, may never recover from the ordeal, experts said last night. The girls were shut away from the outside world, existing in almost complete darkness, playing only with mice and communicating in their own language in the first week, in their own language. In the first weeks after their release, they were hiding under a bench in the kitchen in the therapy center because that was the darkest spot. They could not endure light. They had not felt sunlight or fresh air for years. And some of us are that way. Jesus said, hey, you're free. And, 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 and we go and, and we just say, oh, oh, God, do I dare come out? I'm C-team. I'm miserable. I'm powerless. I have nothing to offer. And so it's okay if I stay here. And God's saying, I got this whole thing for you. I got this, this, this whole life, this, this lightness and this power for you. If, if I can rescue you, do you think I can also destine you? Therefore, I want to encourage you this morning 
Because I think God's doing some great stuff with us to, to help us become what he's designed for us to be. I want to encourage you to be confident in his love for us. Be very confident in what he's doing for you. Quit ripping yourself off. Quit saying, this is all there is. Just come to the cross, worship him there like our video showed. Just stay here with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm off the cross. I have resurrected. I'm on my way. I need you to go with me. Quit. Stop spending all your time at the cross apologizing for what you did and what you haven't done. Yes, you come humble to the cross and say, thank you for that. But then you come to the tomb and you say, but here's the joy. There's some great last words. In fact, let me, let me just give you 14 famous last words. You ready? The last two are what I really want you to hear, but here's 14 famous last words. First famous last word. What does this button do? Second famous last word. Oh, it's probably just a rash. Third famous last word. Are you sure the power's off? Fourth famous last word. Oh, the odds of that happening have to be a million to one. (laughs) The fifth famous last word. Pull the pin and count to what? (laughs) Famous last words, number six. Now, which wire was I supposed to cut? Seventh famous last words. I wonder where the mother bear is. Famous last words, number eight. Hey, I've seen this done on TV. (laughs) Famous last words, number nine. Okay, I'll hold it and you light the fuse. (laughs) Number ten. This doesn't taste right. Number eleven. I can do that with my eyes closed. Number twelve. Nice doggy. (laughs) Number 13. Father, forgive them. It made us family. Number 14. It is finished. You don't have to stay at the cross. He's not there. I know you can go places and see him hanging there, but he's not there. You go to that tomb and he's not there either. There is this power that has been released in us. But you say, but I'm not good enough. That's why Paul the Apostle continued talking to the church in Corinth. And this is what he said in the first chapter, 26th verse. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards and not many were influential and not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. He said, do you know you were called? It's a key word. The word called there actually means that you were drawn to him as you were. He didn't say go home, change clothes and be pretty. He said, I'm taking you just as you are. And he said, understand that when I called you, you were not influential. You were not aristocracy. You were not the one who had it all together. You were not good enough. You just weren't. But when I called you, he said you were lowly. The word actually means that you were slaves. 
the only image I could come up with in my mind for that is, is that, that woman who's, who's selling her body on the streets in London, England, and she can't get free. She's a slave there because her pimp beats her and says, if you ever try to leave, I'll catch you and I will kill you. And for, for months, she's just desperate, but she can't do anything. And suddenly the queen, queen of England finds out and the queen comes down herself, enters into that brothel, takes her out and brings her home and says, now you're part of the royal family. That's the deal. He said, you were despised. The word means contempt, contemptible. It means to, to be spit upon. That's how I feel about you. He said, he's come to you. That's how you were. That's, that's how you seemed to everything else around you. That's how you were. It, 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 would be, it would be like Rick Warren, Saddleback Community Church, the one that prayed at, at the presidential inauguration, that guy showing up in Folsom Prison and taking out a terrorist and said, hey, come serve on my staff. That's what he did for you. He said the things that are not, that's what you were. The word actually means that things that, that are non-entities, that, that you just don't exist in people's minds. It, it, it's George Clooney going down to Hollywood and Vine and finding a bag lady and saying, hey, come marry me. That's the deal. And that's how he found you. But he did not leave you that way. And he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows we are a mess. He knows that. You, you remember when he with his disciples and he's teaching them at the very moment he's teaching them how to serve one another. They're having an argument as who is the greatest. He knew that. He knew that's what they're like. He knew that they were a mess. Do you realize that... that he, 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 with their help, they feed 5,000 families. And then shortly thereafter, maybe days after, he says, now there's 4,000. How do we feed them? And they go, I don't know. How do we do that? And he says, are you so dull? And yet when he sees them, the scripture says, when he sees people like us who are, who are just mess. When he sees us, it says he has great compassion. And according to the story of the prodigal, he runs to us. He just, he just comes running. And, and when we get it right, watch his response to his disciples. Yes! You got it right! And when you get it wrong, he goes, Oh, how long will I be with you? He cares that much. We are mess-ups on a journey being loved by Jesus. And you know what's so great about that? He takes these disciples and he says, all right, let me show you how to do this. We're going to feed these 5,000 families, so maybe 20,000 people, whatever, and we've got this bread, so you figure it out. Because he wants them to do it. I mean, and understand, they're on journey. They're still mess-ups. But he said, you can do this. But they can't figure it out. So he says, okay, I'll help you do this. And so they together do this. And Jesus keeps saying, you do this, you do this. Eventually he sends them out and they do the things that he did, even in their messed up condition. I'm trying to tell you this, that you can't say, I'm going to reach the A team and say, now God, use me right now, the way you are in this journey, in your messed up condition. He says, I've given you power now, go do it. That's why he said, you go into all the world and you change the world, even in your messed up condition. There's, there's not a place to arrive at. You say, well, when I can sing like Jenny Wheeler, I'll lead worship. No, you come at 9 o'clock and you help us lead worship in prayer. You show up. Oh, man, my, my friend asked me about Jesus stuff. I better call Pastor Jason. Don't you call him. 
He doesn't have all the answers. I know him. He'll come to me, and then I have to answer those things. You know answers. Tell him what you know. God is so tired of us just sitting here saying, someday, 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 someday. Now is the day. You got to. Half of you like that. See, we're going to do that. Then we, here's what we've got to do. We've got to look for the moment movement. And I apologize. I, I so apologize because I've grown up in this era of church growth and things. And if you do, because of my personality, if you do this, 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 you get this, you do not. We have over-programmed Jesus. We tried to get him organized. Because Jesus was so totally unorganized. Do you know that 80% of his encounters with people came from interruptions? 80%. He didn't have a plan. And that's good for me to understand that. Listen to what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers, I'm sorry, let me back up here. 1 Corinthians 1.30. There we go. No, where am I? I'm lost. I'm right. I was first right the first time. See, I'm not perfect. <laughs> See? <laughs> Sorry, Jason. My brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. I love that. Because, you see, I, I just want to get Jesus straightened out. I want him to have, you get, you, you got to do this right. So, Jesus, we're going to have to do this right and have this. And, and people look at this and say, it's not right. Look, Jesus seemed to be planless. I think Jesus was ADD. Because anybody who got his attention, he got distracted. He just moved. Do you know that twice he had to raise people from the dead because he was late getting there to heal them? Check it out. He got distracted. Just a moment. Oh, he's dead. Okay. Up. Check it out. And they just seem to wonder, where are you going today? Huh, I don't know. I have a friend who said, when you ever see a dog just sitting in the corner, just staring, you know what he's doing? He's figuring out where he's going to sit next. That's all he's doing. So, Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, go over here. Eh, we're going to go over here. And, but and why? Just because that's what we do. And, and he just seemed to ever be on message. In one moment he says, I come to fulfill the law. And the next moment he breaks the law. How do you figure that out? And, and he drives his publicist crazy. It's a PA, PR nightmare. And then he plays these dinners and he puts, he puts a tax collector next to a zealot, next to a religious leader, next to a prostitute. Who does that? But what's amazing is that people look at each other and go, what are you doing here? Jesus is my friend. He's my friend. No, 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 no. He's my friend. How does he do that? Because he doesn't seem to have a very good system. And you look at him and, and he's sleepless. He's overworked. He's irritated with people and people are irritated with him. He commands a storm. Be muzzled. And it ceases, but just moments before, he's asleep in the boat because he's exhausted from the strain. 
And he can wow them. He, he, he tells them something and they go, no one has ever preached like this before or taught. This is so great. And the next moment he says something like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they go, we're out of here. Not hanging around for that. But understand that although it didn't seem like he had a plan, he was following a plan that the father had. And the plan was a plan of moments. You just go to the moment I give you and you do what I tell you to do there because I've got it under control. So that is why with great passion, he leaves the masses, goes to a bad part of town, finds a woman whose luck with men has been really bad and says, just want to let you know that God loves you. He is so passionate for the moments. He climbs up on a cross to invite a convict to come to his house that day after he dies. Jesus was passionate for moments because you get the right moments, you get a movement. So if, if, if you're looking, if you're looking for a well-groomed, qualified program from Jesus, you're not going to find it. What he's looking for are people like us who are ready for the moment. Jesus says, as you're walking and you feel like you're a mess, I'm going to bring you up to somebody else who's in a mess and I want you to jump out of your mess into their mess. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to jump into the mess and I just want you to do what you can. Just do what you can. That's all I'm asking you to do. He didn't call you because you're so great at this. He called you because, not because you're so wise. He called you because when you get with people, you know the one who is called the wisdom of God. It's Jesus. And you say, I may not have all the answers, but Jesus is the beginning of that answer. Here you go. So tell them what you know and stay with your friends in the good and the bad times. Just, just, that's all he wants you to do. Just stay with your friends. And, and, and by the way, your friends are not a means to an end, not for con- conversion. There, I got another one. No, he just said, go hang out with your friends and my love will overtake them and they'll become part of the friendship and the kingdom that's here. In fact, next week I start a whole series and I want you here as I talk about in the company of friends, what he expects of us together on this journey. Do a lot less programs and I do a lot more friendships. And realize that we are unstoppable. We need to go LeBron on some people. Let me show you what LeBron James does. LeBron tries to do this. Here comes LeBron back on the floor with fresh legs. Takes it outside. I can do that in my dreams. It's just great. God wants us to go LeBron. I have a friend, Pam and I have a friend who played high school basketball in Ohio against LeBron. And, and their team was beating LeBron's team. And so this guy got cocky and began trash talking LeBron. LeBron looked at him and just kind of gave him that look like, oh, now you've done it. He said, suddenly LeBron just shifted into another gear and exploded and took over the game. That's what God wants you to do. You say, yeah, but I'm a bench sitter. I'm on the C team. No, 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 no. You are family. And he said, for family, I give you power and authority. Now put it in other gear and explode. You do the Elijah thing. One day God said, got a big moment for you. Confront the king. Call 850 prophets, demonic prophets, and, and, and call them down. Prove they're wrong. Kill them. Call down fire from heaven for your sacrifice. And then pray and rain from a drought. And then we'll see what you do the rest of the afternoon. 
And he does that. And it's the LeBron thing, man. He just, he just smashed Satan. Just boom! Puts it in there. Until Jezebel, the queen, says, Ooh, you don't do that. I'm going to kill you. And what happens is suddenly he just freaks out. He gets intimidated. Intimidation is a fear that, oh, I'm not good enough. It's just I'm not going to make it. Look, look at me compared to them. Just not going to do this. Man, he just did the LeBron thing. And now he's intimidated. And the, and the horrible thing is he goes to God and God says, what are you doing here? I gave you the power. And here's what's happening. When you don't use the authority that God gave you, then Satan takes over your authority. So when you get intimidated and say, oh, I don't got much to, to do, Satan takes hold of that and runs with it. In fact, God said the problem is now that the kingdom is being involved deeper in this satanic overthrow. And for me to take care of it now, I'm sending two more guys to take care of what you should have done in the first place. So my question to you is this. What are you doing with the authority over your family? Because if you don't take authority, Satan will. What are you doing about the authority in your office? If you don't take care of it, Satan will. What are you doing about the authority in this city? If you don't take it, Satan will. Say, well, I'm just, you, yeah, you're a mess up. But here's his promise. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You want to line up, look at that. In Jesus, you mess ups. In Jesus, you have Righteousness. It simply means your sin is on Jesus. And the reason it is there is because God picked us. So we can hear God say, I picked you. God picked you. So you don't be intimidated. God picked you. Satan shows up and says, oh, you can't do this. Whoa, 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 whoa. God picked me. I get to do this on his team. We don't have A, team, C, B, C, M, C team. We're just, we're just family. Got it. He said, in Jesus you have sanctification. It simply means this, that every day the Holy Spirit shows up and says, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you authority and I'm going to give you power. And holiness is him giving you that ability. So what he says is, I have power stuffed you. You are full of my power. So reckon yourself alive in Jesus. He said, you are, in, you, in Jesus you have redemption. That redemption means that we are released from having to sin. We're released from the control of sin and, and the, the guilt of sin. It's gone. When I, when I Skype my daughter in Africa, before I'm done in our conversation, I type in, have I told you today how proud of you I am and how much I love you? That's what God's saying to you. I am so proud of you. So when you think, oh, man, I can't do this thing. for I can't, I, can't, I can't become this person. Wait, he's saying to you, I picked you. I power stuffed you. And I am so proud of you. So here's how we're going to end. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Paul says, end it this way. 1 Corinthians 1.31, Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. He said, brag about what Jesus has done. It ain't you, because you start bragging about you, and you say, oh, I am so weak compared to. He said, brag about Jesus, because he's the one who said, I'm proud of you. Man, I, I power stuffed you. Man, I, I, I picked you. So this morning, we're going to end with us making some declarations 
that declare our boast in the Lord. So, ladies, slip on your shoes, and everybody stand. So here's our declaration. We're going to have a declaration. We're going to sing, and then I'm going to dismiss you. And thank you for just letting us go with the flow this morning. You know, we normally, last week I got you out here at 11.15, so we've averaged out to 11.30. So we're good. So I want you to declare this with me. These are statements that we believe. And I just want you to say it with me loudly. I'm a mess, but I am family. I'm a mess, but I am family. I love you no matter how messy you are. Okay, don't look at me. I, I got it. Turn, turn to somebody and say that. Say it. Say it. Go ahead. All right. Third declaration. I'm going to go LeBron over Satan. I'm going to go LeBron over Satan. You bet. I believe God said he picked me. I believe that God said he power stuffed me. I believe God said he power stuffed me. I believe God said I'm proud of you. And I believe Lord you're good. I believe Lord Good and so mercy and joy.